Good morning, everyone. My name is Reverend Violet Davidson, and I have been a pastor at Lakewood, Asheville, and Kennedy prior to retirement a few years ago. And I am privileged to be here this morning to share God's word with you. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this wonderful music that we have been able to worship you with, for all of these young people that are so willing to give their lives to you. I pray, Lord, that as we go forward from this place, that we will also remember that giving our lives is offering our love and your saving grace to others. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to be reading from three stories of Jesus healing. And so I'm not sure if they're going to be on the uh, screen or not. The first one is Matthew 9, 27 through 31. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Jesus asked. Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread word about what had happened to him all over the kingdom. Matthew 20, 30-34. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the road, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. Then we go to the Gospel of Mark 8, 22 through 26. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought the blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He said, well, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Then Jesus laid his hands on the man's eyes once more. His eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, do not even go through the village. And then in John's Gospel 9, 1 through 11, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
And after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it onto the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So that the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly known him begging by the side of the road asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to wash in the pool of Siloam. So I went and washed, and then I could see. May the Lord's blessing be upon this reading of his word. How many of you have had children or as children um, came crying after you had a little hurt somewhere? Came crying to your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, or whoever it was that was taking care of you at that moment. And you're crying or they're crying and they just want to know that somebody cares about them enough to help them because they've been injured. So I don't know about you, but what I would do is put them on my lap, give them a hug, and kiss the boo-boo, and then I'd say, do you want a Band-Aid on that boo-boo? Even if you couldn't see anything wrong, that's where they said they got hurt, so okay. And you put a Band-Aid on. The Band-Aid is worth nothing by itself, is it? They didn't even have something that needed a Band-Aid. What it is worth is like the placebo effect. A placebo is something that has no value of its own. It only has value if you think it does. So when a child receives that love and care from the one that they love, then that placebo, Band-Aid, that helps them tremendously. And it proves to their siblings or their friends that somebody loves them enough to help them out. Well, we have just read four scriptures about Jesus healing blind men. And if you look closely at these passages, you will see that each time Jesus healed someone, he did it just a little bit differently. As in Matthew 9, Jesus just touches the man as he did to heal the two blind men who were following him. He just touched them. What was the prerequisite for him to be able to heal them? It wasn't a placebo. It was their faith. Do you believe I can do this? Yes, Lord. And they were healed. Well, in the study by Arnold Fruschenbaum, which I'm just going to say Arnold from now on, <laughs> the Jewish foundation of the life of the Messiah. At this point, Jesus had only been healing those who had faith in him. Why would he have done that? Well, he wanted to have those people witness that he was Jesus the Messiah. So as he healed them, because of their faith, 
other people learned that, wow, this man must be the Messiah. So he performed many miracles. Arnold said only the Messiah would have been able to perform these types of miracles. And by this time, Jesus had been rejected by the Pharisees who claimed that he, this man, this rag, rabble, rouser, ragtag man, he was just nothing. He never wore any priestly robes or kingly robes as the Messiah should, should certainly do. And, well, they couldn't accept him as Messiah, no matter what kind of miracles that they that Jesus had done, they proclaimed that he had done these miracles only through the power of Satan. It seems that they were pretty scared of who Jesus really was. Even though it was mostly laborers and the people that belonged to their families, women and children, and and a few others that followed Jesus, he was building quite a big following. And the ruling body, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, were quite afraid that they would lose their power over the people if the people were allowed to keep following this man named Jesus. Yet, Jesus never stopped doing his miracles. And when the disciples were leaving Jericho with Jesus, two blind men were sitting by the road. They cried out to Jesus, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd yelled at these blind men. They, shush, shush. You know, they weren't worthy of Jesus' attention, right? Jesus had other ideas, though. He wanted to make sure that he knew exactly what these men wanted, and he wanted to help them. So Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they could see, and they followed him. So twice now, Jesus has just used his touch, not his spit, to heal four different blind men. Mark tells us that Jesus came to Bethsaida, and a blind man was presented to him. And Jesus takes him by the hand and leads him out of the village. He wants to speak to him privately. Arnold affirmed that Jesus then performed the only two-step miracle in the Gospels. He spits on the man's eyes. I mean, can you imagine that even? But that's what he did. He spits on the man's eyes and asks the man if he can see anything. Well, the man opens his eyes and he says, well, I can see people, but they look like trees walking around. So Jesus, once again, touched the man's eyes. And when he took his hands away, the man was healed. He could see. His eyes were opened. He was restored. Jesus sends him home, and he told him not to go through the village. I've always wondered why he didn't want him to go through the village to proclaim that Jesus was really the Messiah. Well, sometimes Jesus knew that people wouldn't believe he had healed anyone anyway. 
And if this man was mocked and ridiculed, that would have been very detrimental to that man's faith. Perhaps one of you have been healed through prayer in Jesus' name. Perhaps you have heard testimony from someone who has been healed through prayer. The power of Jesus is available to us through prayer. I had a dear colleague. She had dealt with cancer three times in her life, and she never gave up. She prayed and asked others to pray for her. She was in her 80s and continued to do prison ministry at the county jail here in Chautauqua. Her name was Reverend Dr. Eleanor Hare, and perhaps some of you are familiar with her. One of her last bouts with cancer, she was in the hospital and she knew she needed all of her friends who were believers to pray for her. So she contacted me and we spread the news through the district prayer chains and contacted all the prayer warriors that we knew and even some of her prayer warriors in the prison ministry at Rikers Island where she served for 20 years. She served the women in that prison. And then the next day when I was visiting her, she told me that the night before, when she was praying, she had a vision of reaching out and touching Jesus' garment, just like the woman with the issue of blood. And she knew she was healed. It's an amazing thing, the power of God. When she came back to work, she told me she still had work to do for the Lord, which in her mid-80s included singing with a choir, of course, but also with a group that she and her friends had formed years ago. She played electric guitar and led that worship. It was just amazing. And she did this throughout all of the time that I knew her. Well, she went to be with her Lord and hopefully your Lord, Jesus Christ, one day. And sometimes all we need is a vision of Jesus. Jesus at the cross as we sang today. His life poured out for us. But other times, we might need a placebo. And I have met many people who need to put maybe a picture of Jesus or a prayer card or something that they ordered online from the television gospel preachers that would help them be cured. And they put it under their pillow. And I've told them, you know, that has nothing to do with your healing. What has to do with your healing is Jesus Christ and your faith in him. So you don't need to worry about those things. You don't need to send them 50 bucks to get a little card. You just need to pray and believe that Jesus will heal you. Now this guy in the Gospel of John, perhaps Jesus knew he needed some physical evidence. After all, we know from the study that I mentioned that the Pharisees had extrapolated the passage from Exodus 34, 6 through 7, 
where God said to Moses he would forgive wickedness, rebellion, and sin, but not leave the guilty unpunished. He would punish the children to their third and fourth generation. Now, many people today read that passage and say, oh my gosh, you know, this person was terrible and he never accepted Christ or she never accepted Christ. Am I going to be punished for their sins as well as my own? No. Moses pleaded again with God and God said he would forgive the people. Then he gave them very strict rules about what they had to do while they were in the desert before they crossed the promised land. Well, remember how long ago that was. Not only the people had gone on to their heavenly home if they were believers, but their up to the third and fourth generations had already gone on. This was ancient history to the people in Jesus' time. It's ancient history to us. We never have to worry about that. And yet some people will read that and say, I'm in trouble. I'm not worthy of Jesus' love. It's not true, folks. Jesus loves every one of us. Well, Arnold asks a question. How can a baby sin before it is born? We would ask that same question, I would think. Well, I think the Pharisees had to think long and hard to come up with the answer to this. And they finally decided, okay, when the baby was conceived, it already had either good or evil within them. They said you could tell this because the baby with evil would kick the mother with animosity. Any of you ladies had a kick that you thought was out of hatred from your baby? No. But that's why the disciples asked Jesus this question. It wasn't really a crazy question. It was one that the Pharisees taught. Jesus answered when they asked, who sinned, this man or his parents? Neither. This man was born blind so that God's glory could be revealed. And Jesus is the conduit to that glory. Then he proceeded to heal the man by making a mud pie. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. It really wasn't a mud pie. But I think of a mud pie every time he does it because he had to pick up dirt and he had to spit in it and then he had to stir it around. You know, ever played in the mud when you were little? Come on now, I know that some of you played in the mud when you were little. All right, thank you for your honesty. Well, Jesus put what he made out of that mud and that spittle on the man's eyes. And then he tells him to go and walk to the pool of Siloam and there wash in that pool. Now, that pool was sacred. It was where people going into the temple would wash, one of the many pools that they had. But they would wash to be clean before they went into the temple grounds. Jesus had broken so many rules that day. He was healing on the Sabbath, number one. Number two, they considered him picking up that mud and spitting in it and stirring it around to put mud packs on that guy's eyes as work. And secondly, when he, or thirdly, rather, when he spit into that mud, that was absolutely not kosher. You could not let a drop of spit 
in anything or you couldn't, you had to throw it away, you couldn't eat it, drink it, and you certainly couldn't wash in a pool that had spit from anyone in their mud that they were washing off. Well, that pool was quite a distance away. And yet, the blind man made it there because he had faith in Jesus. Sometimes the obstacles in our path become either moved aside or like that little mustard seed of faith that we have. They become like nothing. When we truly believe in Jesus, now I need to ask you, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because if you don't, you have that opportunity to do so right here this day, right this moment. You can just close your eyes where you're sitting and pray for Jesus to forgive your sins and ask him to come into your heart. Because that's what Jesus wants to do. And no matter what you've done in your life, remember always that Jesus loves you. Yes, he loves even you and you and you and you. None of us are perfect people. Many of us lived lives that we are ashamed of. But when you come to Jesus, that's all washed away. And you are redeemed children of God. Let us pray. Gracious and ever-living God, we thank you for Jesus, who knows our lives, our sorrows, and our joys. Thank you that you love us enough to send Jesus and the Holy Spirit to show us the way. Amen. I do want to add that if you said that prayer to accept Jesus today, be sure to talk to another Christian about it. Perhaps the prayer team here at Bemis or Pastors Bill and Kristen would be very happy to pray with you more and to guide and direct you in your new walk with Jesus. So may you go forth from this place today sharing the love of Jesus anywhere and in any way that you can with someone who does not know him and does not know how much God really loves them. May it be so in your life and in mine. Amen.